Hi, my name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about their meditation and mindfulness practices and how those practices help them tap into creative flow on a daily basis. Today, I interviewed Julia Vasquez, who has some powerful words of wisdom to share with the audience about how to remain stable during periods of friction, uh, how to move through blockages, through energetic blockages and creative blockages. And she has some really amazing tips and techniques for how to bring your meditation practice into a daily life. If you like what we talk about, please subscribe on iTunes by finding us at Crazy Wisdom and hitting the subscribe button. Thank you. Um, and so what's your name? Julia. Julia. Julia miller Vasquez. And uh, uh, what do you do on a daily basis to create? Uh, on a daily basis, I do a lot of things. Um, I sing, I write, I dance. Um, I craft, I do a lot of wild harvesting and to uh, work with herbs and then I also craft um, ritual pieces, everything mm. from dream catchers to altar spaces. Mm. Uh, do you find blockages in your daily creation or how can you explain your relationship to friction or difficulty with, with creation? I don't feel that I necessarily have blockers unless I'm aimed at creating something in particular. Mm. I just find that it ebbs and flows um, and I feel particularly drawn mm. to certain things to work with at different times. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So you're saying when you uh, kind of like put executive control over the creation process, then you can encounter blockages. But if you're just creating with no kind of preset goal in mind, you can continue to create. Um, yes, that and also sometimes I do find that if I create very per particular parameters um, to create uh. and almost put myself in like a lab environment huh. and have a really specific goal. Say I want to create a poem and it's going to be about this one thing and it's going to have a certain uh, rhythmic flow I've already decided beforehand, then essentially it almost is pretty much created except for plugging in the words. The sentiment is essentially, the, the blueprint is there. Hmm. Um, so sometimes that is an easier way for me to do it, but often uh, that requires a lot more work on the back end, I would call it, mm. uh, like pre-intentionality. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, and what role does meditation mindfulness play in your ability to create? Um, I think that I was an artist first and then a meditator. Mm. So for me, uh, musical theater, singing, dancing, acting, performing, and poetry informed my meditation practice. It's just the initial experience I had of embodiment and awareness hmm. and uh, flexibility and exploration within the single identity of self. Hmm. And when did that process as an artist begin? I started training when I was four. To sing? To sing uh -huh. and to dance. Huh. That's really interesting. Uh, was it something your parents wanted you to do or was it something that kind of arose naturally? Um, I think as a young person I was always expressive. Uh -huh. I've always been very expressive and um, 
I don't know who decided it was the right path, but it was something that I tried out and hmm. kept going with. Cool. Yeah. Um, and have you done it professionally or, or uh, can you explain how you, uh, if, if you make it, because you, you earn your living as a singer or? It's part of what I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when did that start? Um, you know, I think that I started receiving financial support for my singing actually out of necessity. I was traveling, Mm. um, and, uh, was running out of money. And uh, was singing in the streets and uh, in which country? Oh, uh, lots of different countries. Okay. Where was this one first? Um, maybe Thailand. Uh, part of me wants to think that there was some paid gigs that happened before that. At that point, I think I was nineteen. Hmm. Yeah, I was nineteen the first time I went to Thailand, but I can't remember how I first got paid to perform. Hmm. You know. Almost think that there was like something before I can't remember, um, but I brought a, a lot of professionalism into the work that I did growing up all the way through. Mm. So for me, it almost blends into just an extension of that. But obviously, being financially recognized means something in this world. So mm. I just can't quite remember when it was, but maybe it was when I was traveling um, and you know needed to eat. Uh. Uh, for some people, when they start to take a hobby or something that they love to do and they put a financial um, uh, marker on it and they receive money for it, it somehow uh, lessens the experience for them. Have you ever experienced anything like that? No. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think that I... I mean, I don't sing anything that I don't like anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I were solely responsible for attending to someone else's needs with regard to like if I had a label for example Mm. um, it would probably be a different story Mm -hmm. I imagine Mm. Mm. what what part of the creative process do you enjoy most well it's a process Mm. so um, I think I like the idea that there are different parts to the process Uh Um, or more, I guess I just like the different parts of the process. Um, I love writing. Um, it's a way that I can just express story through something that is aesthetically Mm. pleasing, or even if it's not aesthetically pleasing, something that at least feels like viscerally honest. Mm. And singing. Uh, is just performing, singing is, I mean, that feels like home to me. Mm. I'm so used to being on stage that it's just mm, my happy place. Mm. And I love also rehearsals and recording and working on uh, projects with other people Mm. because it feels so good to be able to uh, watch my own development mm. and to and I'm very particular mm-hmm. so um, mm, 
my editing process, I suppose, is um, animated, mm-hmm. and it's always interesting to work with other people. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I like that part too. And then the performance part also, I'll say for sure, is being with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, having performing with other people and also being with an audience for me is maybe my favorite thing ever. Hmm. Can you describe that energy of when you're on stage and, and is, is, do you find union? Do you find yoga in that stage or can you, can you kind of speak to that? I think that it is the most potent source of connection that I know. Hmm. Specifically being in front of the stage, um, being, uh, um, on stage as opposed to being part of the audience or for you. Um, I think that being in an audience has given me a lot of beautiful gifts. I've been able to flow with someone else's creation and Hmm. understand better, um, art in general. Uh, for me, performing is a lot about sharing my most intimate self and... uh, being received and for somebody who has anxiety Mm -hmm. and feels like perpetually awkward in certain or in social circumstances and you know has like weird feelings about society in general etc etc it Mm -hmm. is the greatest gift for me to feel understood Mm -hmm. and to be able to tell stories that feel like all of our stories too Mm -hmm. I love the feedback of being able to share what somebody else feels hmm. back to them hmm. also. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, you said earlier about uh, one of your favorite parts about the collaboration pro- or one of the parts about the creative process is collaboration. Um, as you just said, you feel social anxiety and awkwardness as well around people. How do you how does that collaboration um, look like? Do you find conflict in collaboration with other people or do you find flow? Um, how do you experience collaboration? I think both. I think like any relationship mm-hmm. uh, is going to have its ups and downs. And mm-hmm. especially as you're creating something, you're bringing some very intimate experiences into someone else's very intimate experiences mm-hmm. and expressions. And, you know, syncing those is... Um, basically tantra Mm. 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 um how do you deal with the friction or how do you deal with the friction aspects of collaboration um i like communication Uh um and uh, i think that a certain level of tenderness is necessary because people are bringing their most precious gift into the space Mm. so it's um, a sensitive Mm. sensitive space Mm. so in your meditation and your mindfulness practice right now uh, what are some techniques that you find yourself using on a daily basis Um, I work with a lot of breath work Mm. so Um, I live in 
an urban environment. There's a lot of people around. I'm working on a lot of different projects. Um, it's hard to find quiet every now and again. So I do a lot of grounding mm. through breath. Mm. And what, uh, do you know a, a good breathing technique or is it just more of an energetic kind of grounding that you do uh, in your practice? Um, I think that it is a couple different things. Essentially, there's the idea that uh, I just allow my breath to flow in its most authentic, natural way. And that that be the concentration or the intention mm. of the practice, just allowing breath myself. as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another aspect that I work a lot with is um, the actual grounding visualization of that, which is that with the exhale, my breath is releasing tension through roots Mm. um, from my body into the ground. And then on the inhale, absorbs the nutrients Mm. and the heat and energy and... Mm stability um of the earth Hmm. and that really helps me Hmm. does there when you feel ungrounded or did you go through a process in your in your in uh your journey where you felt ungrounded and you had to learn these things or did they just kind of come naturally these have definitely been a process by which i came to through needing Hmm. them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah and and also like I've had some incredible teachers who I've had access to Mm. throughout different studies. Mm. Uh, And I believe that I actually started practicing yoga before I really got into meditation, actually through soccer. Mm. So. Mm. Does that mean you found yoga because you wanted to improve your soccer game? We played uh, soccer with coaches and trainers who would incorporate yoga into our training oh cool and what did that look like was it only asana the yoga poses or was it also breathing exercises well with the breathing exercises that was probably incorporated Mm -hmm. for running yeah that's cool um i've just started playing in a basketball league and i'm uh trying to i'm trying to get people to come to breathing exercises before the game so that Uh we can because i've from my own experience, I had uh, asthma and I had a lot of um, issues with my lungs and everything like that. And so I was, uh, the breathing exercises of yoga have helped a lot um, to kind of regain function in my in my whole lungs. And But then I've noticed a, a byproduct of that is that my ability to play all these different sports is like exponentially incre- increased because of my ability to, to regulate my breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to develop some sort of like breathing. I'm sure somebody's done it. Maybe I should ask you for your soccer uh, mm-hmm. coach people, but that's really cool. Have you ever experienced a part a, a part of your spiritual path that was so difficult and you kind of felt totally disconnected from source? Have you experienced that? Yeah. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about that? Or? Uh, sure. Uh-huh. I had some really shitty stuff that happened to me that I couldn't really control. Hmm. And uh, essentially felt a lot of confusion and distrust and disconnection and uh, yeah I, I ended up 
actually, <laughs> um, I spent a lot more time in nature. Hmm. Immediately after this event? Yeah. Did you have to stop your whole life based on this event or these events or? You know, I didn't actively stop it. I was mm. just unable to continue mm -hmm. with that. And I think that it, I mean, I hate to say that everything happens for a reason because there's a lot of bad things that could be avoided and could help a lot of people. Mm. I think for me in the long run, this experience was a blessing in disguise. Mm. Mm. And I would, I would say that most people who run into those types of things definitely have uh ultimately end up viewing it as a source of strength and as a source of power but they're very difficult in the, in the, in the actual process of them and then there we get wrapped up into the stories that we create about about what happened and everything as well which i think that if we have the privilege of healing mm. and access to healing then huh. that can definitely be the case huh. and what uh what is healing to you what is healing to me? Yeah, what does healing look like to you or what, what is the process of healing? Healing looks differently for everybody, uh -huh. completely. Uh -huh. um, you know, there have been times where meditation, like sitting still and breathing, was not mm. what I needed mm -hmm. to heal. Mm. So that was not what I did. Mm. And I'm really grateful for not feeling that I was sort of stuck in a box mm. to be healing in a certain way that mm. would never have worked for me. Mm. Uh, can you describe, uh, if, if you feel comfortable, uh, what, one of your most profound healing moments? Or I used to smash furniture. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Uh, I used to, I mean, I like to trail run. Huh. So that, I think, if I'm having some sort of like very acute experience of um, spiritual upheaval, mm. then uh, something very expressive and maybe uh you know especially cathartic uh -huh. like that uh, -huh. uh and then also writing for me is uh -huh. a lot of times i don't have a lot of preconceived ideas of what i'm interested in creating but it comes out in one flow mm. like a purge almost mm -hmm. and so i've had experiences like that that have been more than i could have hoped for mm. for healing Hmm. Um, can you explain the relationship between movement and healing for you? My grandma's a dancer. Huh. She has danced with the same modern dance troupe for 60 years this year. Hmm. So she basically was in maybe the first actual modern dance troupe ever. Huh. <laughs> she was pre-modern dance. Huh which ended up becoming modern dance. And so she has a saying that I love about that, which is the body knows. Mm. So for me, I just listen to my body and ask, as I feel I need healing and I ask my body mm. what to do mm -hmm. and my body knows. Mm. Mm. It's so interesting because I, I've started to experience this, uh, uh, in yoga and with movement, particularly inspired by my meditation practice. But before I came to yoga, I looked at it as a way to uh, that 
something was wrong with the way that I'm using my body and the, and uh, something was wrong with the way that I was using my body and I needed to adjust my body in order to fit a, what these people telling me were the, was the best way to, to, uh, to move my body. Uh, and it was, and I did that for about seven, eight years. I, I think that's an important part of the process. Like I do value the Western medical understanding of how the, how the body moves and according to principles and stuff like that. But then lately I've been finding this type of yoga, this asana yoga, yoga movement, yoga postures that, um, comes internally and it's just like exponentially more powerful than, than, than what I was doing before. And now I find myself having difficulty going to yoga classes, uh, um, because of this kind of preconceived structure that, uh, that exists on, have you encountered that? What has your experience been in kind of in this yoga world and then finding your own internal movement? With any kind of training, a good teacher will always bring you back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is once you have a framework for understanding this new modality, Mm then it's up to you. It is your actual responsibility to use what you've learned and create the best thing for that, of that for yourself. Mm. Mm. With, so, with respect to the teachers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, do you go to yoga classes anymore? Or? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who's your favorite yoga teacher right now? Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, I like Kia Miller. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of Lucid Dawn? Or... I've heard of her. Okay, yeah. I, I feel, haven't taken a class Yeah, yet. I feel like you would you would uh, appreciate her. Cool. Her, her class. Uh, who are your favorite spiritual teachers, meditation teachers? Or... I have a lot. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, nature has always been a huge source of learning for me. Hmm and comfort. Um, Both my parents, I would say, are spiritual gangsters in their own rights, for sure. Um, mm, All of my performance and art teachers who I've worked with have incorporated their own theories of what life is and what life is about and how best to be a good person Hmm. and that has been very important for me especially as I learn from them how to express Hmm. Um, and then I also have traditional teachers and guides Um, I am part of a Native American community uh, ceremony community Hmm. here in the Bay so uh, shout out Tio Samuel. Can you and can you say that again? Shout out Tio Samuel and Tio Samuel. everybody who comes to sweat and sing with us. And then what is sweat? Oh, um, it's a practice. Okay. That we have. Oh. And uh, then I am also um, initiated into uh, lineage. From a Swami in India, in Ujjain, hmm. Swami Nagdanand, hmm. um, and so that was that was I think an important 
transition also into deepening uh, my experience of what is traditional meditation mm. for sure. Mm. What was meditation to you before that, before meeting him or before becoming initiated? I think that for me, meditation, the term and the idea of meditation as having some association with yoga mm. is what we generally think of when we think of meditation. Um, so yoga, the point of yoga is, or at least as we think of it in Western society, a series of asanas in order to prepare the body for spiritual union or what we think of as like an ultimate practice of meditation. So before that, that was a practice that I had, no doubt. Um, but I didn't have that traditional blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that, for you, meditation was was uh, essentially preparing the body and mind for union. Um, and mm, yoga. Yoga, okay. Or asanas. Uh-huh. Yoga means union. Yeah. So the practice of moving the body mm. in order to prepare for meditation mm. um, was, I mean, I had that already, but with regard to my yogic practice, I hadn't yet had that very traditional blessing. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of blessings in my life, mm-hmm. but this was essentially, it put me into another level. Mm. Essentially, it gave me the blessing to begin to teach. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, what was that initiation process like, if you can talk about it? Um, can't. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, so now, what what is meditation to you? I don't know. Mm. And I like that also. Uh-huh. I think that meditation... I mean, I start to think of meditation more in terms of mindfulness. Mm. It can simply just be the way that one chooses to live their life Hmm. in general. Hmm. Um, Maybe it has to do with a certain level of intentionality. Maybe it has to do with whatever comes naturally. Hmm. Maybe it has to do with the ultimate sacred union with source and all of the universe's energies and all people and plants and animals and things and ideas that could ever be, have ever been and are in this exact moment. Um, it, I would say it depends on cultural context uh-huh. and mood for yeah. me probably, yeah. which uh-huh. is maybe a very taboo thought. Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of people have some very traditional and, uh, particular Mm. ideas of Mm -hmm. meditation and Mm -hmm. like I said I think it's important to have a lot of basis in training Mm. in order to do what is right for you Mm how would you kind of explain how mindfulness enters your life or the process by which you start I I, I don't know enough about your meditation history but for me it was uh, uh, a practice that I did formally for like, uh, you know, five to starting off really slow, five to 10 minutes over a period of a year, and then basically adding up over time. And then it, and then eventually the meditation practice started to enter in my daily life. So that if I would notice that 
I would be encountering difficult emotions uh, throughout the day, hanging out with family. Uh, I could start to like get a little bit of awareness as opposed to uh, dr- getting stuck in the story and, and reacting and stuff like that. But then there's this other kind of thing that's recently been coming into my awareness is that that my whole life has been... I've been meditating informally my whole life because there is this awareness that is always present um, and that has been present since since I was born, since I first my first memory, uh, uh, and that it will continue. Um, and so there's this underlying basis of awareness that happens all throughout the day. And so now my meditation practice is starting to kind of just... Um, fall into that and 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 um and now now it's really the it's like a binary thing of like okay i'm lost in stories how can i jump back to that awareness and the meditation um how do you what does mindfulness look like in your informal practice in your day-to-day life maybe another definition of mindfulness is simply integration Mm. and so we have all of these lessons that we can meditate on or, you know, t- create a lot of space for, um, and once we have a better understanding of what those are, given that they have a, a lot of space, then they can simply be integrated into the way that we live our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, integration has been really important for me the last, the last couple, um, couple of years. Because uh, as you as you were talking about with grounding, in particular too, it's uh, this this experience. You go on these ten day retreat. Have you done a ten day vipassana or anything like that? I have done things similar. Okay, yeah. So the, this intense experience that lasts for a long time, basically, or even a psychedelic experience, and and how do you take that lesson from this kind of like you know way up in the sky? How do you take it back down, integrate it, connect it with the earth? Um, do you have any tips for how to integrate? Or is it just a matter of time? Or I think um, community mm. is a blessing. Expressing the process by which you're going through, mm-hmm. or the process you are going through, has helped me to integrate it. So simply, even if I don't necessarily feel totally integrated, just talking about it and sharing how I'm feeling as I'm integrating, mm. I mean, it's like you don't have to be perfect in order to share where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just a matter of humility. Mm. Um, humility is really important mm-hmm. as you integrate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like spent two years literally living on a mountain teaching meditation. Mm. And uh, uh, coming down from the mountain... Mm has been a very interesting experience Um, and I'm really grateful for the people who have kept me in check my entire life in order to be okay with integrating Mm. like integrating the lessons that I've learned and the things that I've done in my life I'm not, I mean, it might be a little bit strange, but I'm not not human. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think that everybody goes through their own processes, whether it's 10 days in a Vipassana retreat or 
crying alone in your room at night, like there are extreme experiences of, of realizing something greater hmm. that it, it's just what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because the, the process you just described of, of experiencing uh, union and you experiencing uh, uh, um, that you are smaller than every everything else, that you are a small part of, of everything else, uh, it sounds very uncomfortable uh, at some points. It's probably it's very comfortable at some points as well, and it's bliss. And, and but it also sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and I think in our culture we have a lot of um, or in in the in, U.S. and maybe Western Europe as well. There's a lot of like cult of positivity and kind of like you can't really can't oh, really. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, mm-hmm. so sick. That yeah. is the problem with the meditation community mm-hmm. right now is that it is actually in denial of reality. Uh-huh. Um, people, a lot of the times, don't really want to be uncomfortable, which mm-hmm. is to deny mm-hmm. the actual primary experience of a yogic meditation practice, mm-hmm. which is that life is suffering. Mm-hmm. You feel pain in your body. That's why you address it with a healing practice. Mm-hmm. You see pain in society and humanity. You know, we have these charitable expressions mm-hmm. that are in order to connect with people who who need us mm. like people need each other people have real feelings mm. um i think that in the united states meditation and yoga and also i know in india too probably in a lot of places in the world meditation and yoga is a very upper middle class experience mm. and uh, i actually started teaching breath work when i was working in a refugee community uh in costa rica um, it's the only slum in Costa Rica called La Carpio, and it's mostly Nicaraguan refugees. Mm. I was working with uh, the Costa Rican Humanitarian Foundation, shout out Gail Nystrom. Mm. Um, and breathwork and meditation and yoga and integration and healing and embodiment and mindfulness should be accessible to everyone, mm-hmm. not just for the people who are already well mm-hmm. and happy mm-hmm. and blissful. Mm-hmm. So, and I've thought a lot about this, how do you extend um, these practices that, that, that I found very valuable to people who can't pay for them? Um, through effort yeah through effort and I think online as well is a, is a huge thing as well online um, access to uh, to, to uh, meditations teachings and stuff like that I think mm-hmm. is a huge huge uh, how do you how do you kind of balance that between providing this work uh, for money and then uh, in order for you to live uh, and eat and sharing it with people who can't afford to give you money um, partnering with organizations mm-hmm. um, offering sliding scale putting myself physically in communities Mm. that I know can't pay me for the work and just being available available and 
doing my best mm. to offer what I have learned. Mm. That's great. So we've got about five minutes left. What are you working on right now that you're most excited about? What are you creating right now? I am uh, working on some music huh. that is, I'll say, an integrated practice. So I'm excited about that. Huh. Is there something people can find online? or? Um, the stuff that I have online right now is uh, about to get a big makeover. So none of that I would shoot people towards. You have to come find me in your embodied state huh. at this point. Okay. Keep on the lookout. One-on-one? On one? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, I have a lot of my music sort of like uh, expressions of my musical endeavors uh, on my Instagram, okay. which is Julia Vasquez with an underscore. Um, and I'll be posting stuff there. Yeah. And you have a, a company bringing mindfulness and massage into, into workspaces or corporate offices? or So the company um, has been offering meditate or mindfulness, asana yoga, and chair massage into corporate spaces, working with teams, working at events. Hmm. So... Uh, I have a private practice and have connected with this platform, uh, essentially. Okay, great. Um, that's cool. Is there anything else? So what's what's one kind of piece of advice that you would give uh, people who are struggling with creative creativity or creation? Um, one piece of advice, book, teacher to follow, um, learning from your own experience. that a meditation practice can keep you inspired and that any one project will not necessarily be your last adventure so perfectionism is the is the uh, is the blocker that most people come up against mm. and it's not worth it yeah it's that feeling of like i've got to do this one right this one has to has to reach a million people and like and, and that's never going to happen the first time and it's an active daily creation where it's like totally and i guess this is where yoga a lot of yoga philosophy would come in is basically that you have to release attachment to the expectations of receiving a reward for the work that you do and you have to kind of just may it be for the blessing of all human beings essentially um i think that's the only way to create ethically um on a, a long scale yeah, I think that there are pretty much two ways to express, and one is to create for the well-being of all people. Mm. I mean, there mm. may be three. One is for a more corporate uh, money-making idea, which is totally valid also. And one might be to just offer a gift to an audience, and that, like, hopefully it is the medicine that people need. And then there's another way, which is really to express what it is that you need to mm -hmm. express, which might not mm. be what other people want to hear, Interesting. for example. Yeah. And I think that like that is undeniably your art yeah. also. Uh -huh. But I mean, so they might not want to hear it, but it might still be in their benefit to hear it. Um, so I like to align uh, uh, 
uh, yeah, align, when I say all beings, I include myself and I include everyone um, uh, and, and realizing that I have no understanding of what it will look like, what the ultimate benefit will look like as well. Yeah, um, I'm definitely not here to should on people. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sort of share my process and, you know, keep doing my thing. I really, I really love to see other people empowered to create. Um, I've started actually in 2011. Since then, I've been mentoring and advising and coaching other artists. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that with the training that I have, the years and years and years of training, it simply has given me the confidence to do what other people can do, but mm-hmm. maybe don't have the confidence mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have a valuable skill of essentially taking, uh, you've got a lot of experience being up on stage and that's the thing that scares most people, is the one thing that scares most people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool, well thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah.